This is Orson Welles on the Air, featuring the old-time radio performances of the legendary Orson Welles. This time on Orson Welles on the Air, we'll hear from the Orson Welles Radio Almanac, an episode from April 12, 1944, featuring guest Monty Woolley. The makers of mobile gas and mobile oil bring you your radio almanac with Orson Welles. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Orson Welles. You've been listening to radio programs these many years, and yet in all that time, no one has bothered to explain to you listeners what a radio studio is like. Tonight, I shall fill that gap. The most important feature of a radio studio is a studio audience. A lot of programs give out tickets which listeners fight for or to get in and see the shows. We don't do anything as uncouth as that. Our studio audience consists of a group of people who were strolling along Sunset Boulevard when they fell through a trap door. <laughs> when all the seats are occupied, I make my entrance, and the audience gets into a frenzied state of whistling. They applaud, stamp the feet, and make sundry other noises, but... No matter what they do, the doors are locked and they can't get out. <laughs> so much for the studio audience. Now, many of you have seen a broadcast of Britain in action. Who are the people who live in the glass fishbowl? Now, ladies and gentlemen, those are not a fish and those are not fishbowls. They are control booths and the occupants are people who have been around radio comedy programs so long that their lungs just can't handle fresh air. So <laughs> we have to keep them in those glass-enclosed airtight chambers with specially constructed exhaust fans which take out the oxygen and bring in the air from last week's program. You'll notice there's one dentist in the control booth who tells the performance how they're coming across by using hand signals. He holds his left ear, it means my performance is too fast. He holds his right ear, it means my performance is too slow. He holds his nose, it means just what you think it means. Mr. Wells? Uh, yes, Miss Grimmins? Is that all your message? Oh, send him in, my master. Good ah, enough. Bonjour, 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 Mr. Wells. Hello, Francois. Ready for the reducing treatment? Oh, but yes. I've been making a study of your body, and I get a total of 424 muscles. I got? No, you need. <laughs> I know. We start the treatment. That's Throw just your... a joke, you know. That's uh... <laughs> got a lot of muscles. Count my muscles. Go ahead, feel my muscles. Got to find that. <laughs> get back to the script. I'm the one that's supposed to be funny. Just because I don't get a laugh, you shouldn't try for one. Go back. We will start the treatment now. Throw out your chest. There. Now pull in your stomach. I can't. Why not? They both go together. <laughs> oh, too bad you do not have the figure like one of my other clients, Monsieur Monty Woolley. Monty Woolley, Francois, don't ever mention his name on this program. Whenever I get a job, he goes after it and tries to steal it away from me. That inflated, summertime Santa Claus. What's he got that I couldn't grow? <laughs> Monty Woolley. Monty Woolley. Sounds like an ad for snuggles. Ladies, when wintry winds blow, put on a pair of Monty Woolleys. <laughs> I ought to take care of that character. Pardon me. Is this the goodwill hour? <laughs> this is Orson Welles' office. I'm his secretary, Miss Grimmett. And whom shall I say is calling? His mother. <laughs> really, now, you don't want me to tell him that. Why not? He had one, didn't he? Or was his father a magician, too? <laughs> now, run along, little girl, and tell him Monty Woolley is here. Oh, you're Monty Woolley. 
What do you think I was? A flying red horse? <laughs> Thank you so much for recognizing me after hearing my name. Uh, I should reward you for that by taking you out something. Oh, Mr. Woolley, you mean that. Certainly, certainly. Bring your broom and we'll go for a ride. <laughs> now run along, Miss Gremlin. Uh, can this can this be Monty? Oh. Monty Woolley, am I glad to see you? Can this be Austin Wells? Well, yes, Monty. What do I look like? Well, you look as if you just stepped out of a grave and couldn't find your way back in. <laughs> what do you mean by telling people that my face is holding back television? Well, I'll explain that later. Uh, I, I tell you what, Monty, let's be sensible. Would I say things like that about you? Well, I don't know why not. I'd say them about you. Well, now, Monty, believe me, from the very depths of my heart and with a sincerity that knows no bounds, I tell you that never have I uttered a solitary, deprecatory syllable. Concerning you. Get away from me, you frustrated vitamin flip heart. <laughs> I, I heard you on the air last week. Uh... I'm taking your name. I heard... <laughs> I heard you last week on the air playing uh, Hamlet. Really? You heard me? How'd you like my performance of the melancholy Dane? You played the Dane as though you were expecting a visit from a St. Bernard. <laughs> <laughs> How can a man look so clean and laugh so dirty? <laughs> anything you do after last week, Austin, anything can be considered a comeback. <laughs> Monty, Monty, how can you say things like that to me when I am so fond of you? I, uh... Are you really? <laughs> I am. I, my whole family is. I have an aunt who looks at your picture and sighs for hours. Really? Now, how long has she been doing this? Ever since the Brillo shortage. <laughs> Just a minute. Just a minute, you moon-faced merchant of menace. Mr. Wells, Mr. Wells, Mr. Wells. Master. Hold on, everybody. Hold on. What's the matter? He's here. He's come. He has arrived. Who's come? What is my staff talking about? The sponsor. The sponsor of your radio program. Mr. Octane, the sponsor. The sponsor, eh? <laughs> is that a laugh or are you auditioning for inner sanctum? <laughs> now, Marty, please, please, don't don't make any trouble because we've got to be careful how we handle this sponsor, particularly with you here, Marty. You see, when we first went on the air, uh, our sponsor, Mr. Octane, took an oath not to shave until I got my first laugh on this program. Now, remember, he's very sensitive about his beard. <laughs> so, uh, your being here isn't going to help any. Show him in, Miss Grimmins. Here he is. Oh, Mr. Octane. So happy you could come. How do you do? Uh, Mr. Octane, I'd like to meet our guest of the evening, Mr. Monty Woolley. Mr. Woolley, Mr. Octane, our sponsor. Get the spinach on this guy. <laughs> Monty, please. That's the first place I've ever seen with a built-in hayloft. Monty, Monty, that's my sponsor, and he's very sensitive about the hook. <laughs> Pardon me, fox in the bush. Have you got a cough drop on you? <laughs> very funny. <laughs> that's the funniest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> he's a happy little monster, isn't he? <laughs> happy little monster. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> May I have your name, sir? I wouldn't marry you if you were the last person on earth. <laughs> you 
Very funny. I'm very funny. Here's your lunch, gentlemen. Ah, lunch. What? Mayonnaise and no spoon? Oh, now sit down, Miss Roxane. Like a nice little sponsor. Oh, thank you. What are you thanking him for? For patting me on the cheek. I wasn't patting you on the cheek. I was wiping my hands on your whiskers. And what do you think you're doing? Wiping my hands on your whiskers. <laughs> you wiped yours on mine, didn't you? <laughs> yes, but yours are darker. It doesn't show. <laughs> <laughs> Very funny. <laughs> Mr. Wells, why can't you say things like that? That does it. If you're so crazy about Mr. Woolley, you can have him, Mr. Octane. As for me, I'm leaving this program when I go through this door. I'm not coming back, you hear me? I'm not coming back. Lucky for you, I heard your apology through the door. <laughs> oh, Mr. Wells. Yes, yeah, Mr. Octane. Uh, when does the entertainment start? The entertainment? Uh, oh, yes, Mr. Octane. Here we go! Friends, I want to talk to you about the new summer-proof service at your mobile gas dealer. Latest reports are no new cars till two years after peak. So take care of your auto. Here's fair warning. If you're careless, you'll be carless. Right now, what your car needs is a new lease on life. It needs sprucing up after long, hard months of winter driving. And your friendly mobile gas dealer is ready to put it in tip-top shape for summer. Ready with a complete summer-proof service. He'll change you over to the right grade of fresh, clean mobile oil. That'll work to guard your engine against rust and wear. He'll carefully check your transmission and differential and all the vital parts of your car that need lubrication. To complete this thorough summer-proof service, your radiator, battery, tires, spark plugs, air and oil filters will be checked and thoroughly gone over. This expert service can add miles to the life of your aging car. It's a way to guard against repairs and breakdowns. A way to stretch more miles from ration gasoline. Don't drive into summer without summer proofers. Head for Pep Up Headquarters, your mobile gas dealers at the sign of the flying red horse. <laughs> Encore! Encore! That was wonderful! <laughs> me on the cheek. <laughs> he was wiping his hands on my whiskers. <laughs> oh, Mr. Woolley, you're a card. <laughs> That's the funniest thing I've ever heard yet. <laughs> I like you, Mr. Octane. I like you. You laugh at life, and I think it's mutual. That's priceless. <laughs> You ought to be on our radio program. Oh, no, no, wait. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Mr. Octane. Quiet, Wells. Just do your job. Yes, sir. You want the light or dark polish on your shoes? Light. Yes, master. <laughs> Mr. Woodley, what would you think about doing some of your funny stuff on our program tonight? Oh, Mr. Octane. Uh, I've got it. We can do the life of Monty Woodley. That's all. That's, a, that's, that's enough. Mr. Octane, I... For enough around here. That tops everything. I will not, under any circumstances, for you or anybody else, do the life of Monty Woolley. That's final. Wild horses couldn't make me do it. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. The makers of mobile oil and mobile gas bring you the life of Monty Woolley. <laughs> this is your new announcer, Orson Welles. Monty Woolley was born in Gloucester, Massachusetts on February 14th, 1672. 
Let us turn back the pages of history to that momentous moment when the doctor stepped into the corridor. Doctor, doctor, what's the news? Congratulations, Mr. Woolley. You're the father of an eight-pound beard. At the age of three months, through an era, the infant Monty was left on somebody's doorstep. My goodness, what's this in this basket? Oh, you cute little thing. I'm so happy someone left you. You're just what I've always wanted. Now I'll take you inside and give you a bath. Three months later, when the kindly old lady discovered he wasn't a cocker spaniel, she threw him out. <laughs> As a child, young Wooly was not considered overly bright, and many cruel jests were played upon him. The dogs in the neighborhood often tied cans to Monty. In his first year at school, he stood at the corner so often that he grew up with a triangular forehead. However, by careful diet, you know, different than most people's heads. <laughs> However, by careful diet, by careful diet, his parents were able to develop a child who was neither listless nor sluggish. Mobile gas, lubrication, does it every time. <laughs> Everybody wants to get into the act. That's an imitation. After this, Woolley became very popular at school and because of the paper shortage, won the Good Housekeeping Award for turning out a plastic spitball with jet propulsion. Orson. Yes, Monty? Why don't we do the life of Orson Welles and I'll get all the laughs? Wait, Monty. Now, wait. Your big scene comes now. Years pass. And now Monty Woolley has grown to manhood, which was the only place he could have grown to. <laughs> Monty was 21 and it was spring, 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 spring. Spring when the leaves turn green, the birds turn north, the weather turns warm, and John turns to his other wife. Yes, Love came to Monty Woolley, little Aggie, his childhood sweetheart. Remember her? Now grown to glorious womanhood. Glorious, Ah, poor Aggie. Poor Aggie. She was always torn between two loves. Her love for Monty Woolley and Monty Woolley's love for Monty Woolley. Can you picture them now alone together in the moonlight? Oh, Monty, we shouldn't be doing this. Our elders frown on sitting on the lap of one's beloved. What's the matter? Am I too heavy for you? Oh, no, dear. You know how much I love you. You're so big and strong. I'm crazy about your bulging biceps. Thanks. I like yours, too. I'll never forget the day we met. I was a silly little girl with pigtails and buck teeth. Remember? We were sitting in the park and you carved a heart in the tree. Yes, and you gnawed an arrow through it. It was your beard that first attracted me. Well, I can understand that. Mine is the only beard in existence that contains vitamin D. No other beard can make this statement. Oh, Marty, darling, will you marry me? Yes, yes. You've made me the happiest woman in the world. We'll go on a marvelous honeymoon. And then? We'll settle down and raise a lot of little goatees. It was at this point in his career that Monty Woolley became a professor at Yale University. Monty was very popular at Yale. He was the only professor who paid track odds. Then came, uh, these people are too young to remember when there was race big Monty. Uh, you and I can remember it then. All too well. Then came his big chance. The part, this is Monty's big chance, everybody, not mine. Monty's big chance to play the mean, despicable, vicious old character in The Man Who Came to Dinner. Remember him in that? Remember that? Oh, I'm... I'm wrong. There are quite a lot of old folks in the audience. Uh, finally, on April 12th, 1944, a 
Appearing on the Orson Welles program, Monty Woolley was destined to give his greatest performance. Monty, seriously, I want you to play your greatest role. My Orson, I'd love to. Now, would you love We'd oh, love to hear you. Oh, yes. You'd be right here. Yeah, we, we'd oh, love to have love you do it. Oh, I'd love we, to. We'd love to. We'd love to. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, Monty Woolley in The Man Who Came to Dinner, as the scene opens, walking up the front steps. He knocks on the front door. He walks up the front steps again. He knocks on the front door. He knocks again. He knocks again. Thank you, Monty Woolley. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What about the man who came to dinner? Is it my fault there was nobody home? I hope this rhyme catches you in time. We surveyed the situation. Boy, the autos that we've checked. And that showed us one good reason why so many cars are wrecked. Yes, friends, we made a survey. Checked 10,000 cars, and what we found was this. Six out of every ten of those cars required fresh oil. Now, you know what happens when you neglect regular oil changes. Your car's in line for big repair bills, even a serious breakdown. Today, protect the life of your car with regular changes of fresh, clean mobile oil. Now, this famous oil is built especially to stand up under wartime driving. It works to keep your engine free of rust and sludge formation, to give it resistance against friction and wear. Mobile oil for you, my friend. Why fool around with any other oil? when you can give your car the world's best stuff. So drive in, drive in often, and ask for mobile oil at the sign of the Flying Red Horse. Friends, we offer now Panama Rags and the following great men of jazz to play it. Jimmy Noon clarinet, Kid Ori trombone, Mutt Perry trumpet, Bud Scott, guitar, Brother Ed Garland on the bass, Buster Wilson, piano, and Judy Singleton, drums. Thank you. 
Ladies and gentlemen, it's been our custom to end these programs with a serious reading. Tonight we bring you a few words from the Bible, from the letters of Paul to the Corinthians, to the Hebrews. We're sure no one will find this a sacrilege. It's in the great Christian tradition for clowns and jugglers and the likes of us to entertain on the cathedral steps, sometimes even before the altar itself. I cannot think that laughter is incompatible with the love of God. I cannot think that the words I'm going to read to you now are ever out of place anywhere in the world of men. I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of the power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world know. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Brethren, I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. But some man will say, how are the dead raised up, and with what body do they come? Thou fool, that which thou sowest, that is not quickened except to die. Thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bear grain. It may chance of wheat or some other grain, but God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him, and to every seed his own body. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised, incorruptible, and we shall all be changed. Watch ye. Damn that. Quit you like men. Be strong. Let all your things be done with charity. For though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, 
I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have no charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long, and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. Is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. Is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity. But rejoiceth in the truth. Heareth all things. Believeth all things. Hopeth all things. Endureth all things. Charity. Never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophecy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass, darkly. But then, face to face, now I know in part, but then I shall know, even as also I am known. And now by the faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Makers of Mobile Gas and Mobile Oil invite you to listen in next week, same time, same station, to your radio almanac. Mr. Wells' guests are George Jessel and Aurora Miranda. Molly Woolley is currently working in the 20th Century Fox Technicolor production when Irish eyes are smiling. The part of the sponsor was played by Billy Gilbert. John McIntyre speaking. <laughs> CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. it for this episode of Orson Wells on the Air. You can find past episodes of this show at RelicRadio.com. You'll find more old-time radio there as well. 
And remember, if you'd like to help support this and all the shows, help them keep coming. Click on that donate button. Thank you to those who have donated. Thanks for joining me today. Talk to you again soon with another episode of Orson Welles on the Air. Orson Welles on the Air is produced by and for RelicRadio.com. Rebroadcast of this show without permission is strictly prohibited. <laughs>